Sneko, I do fear for, Landile, I fear for, you know, and I fear for all of them, actually, you know, because it keeps happening. Every day we wake up, uh, there's a new challenge, uh, there's something new that we have to worry about. I go back to Durban in October 2022 and visit the Akinana Garden. It's been a couple of months since the last assassination, and I want to see how the people there are holding up. My name is Sugiswa Chocha. I was living outside. I can't pay rent for the rest of my life, so I must find a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So I saw the people coming here, here, but there was a forest. Sukiswe took refuge in the commune back in 2019. You work here in the garden. Do you work outside as well? I'm working outside. I'm coming back to work. I'm also doing the work here inside the Kenan. We started fighting with another comrades here mm. because we are not in the same page. Mm. The other comrades, they want to sell the land. And they were living here. Yes. And then they've broken away. We were stayed here in Kenya with the Ngobanis. We started fighting from last year, March, until now. It seems to me that the escalation has been quite, quite intense. What's happened here, it was on 2020, there was a launch here. So we are choosing the new committee. So they want us to choose them. So the things didn't work the way they want. We saw that there's a division. When there's a meeting here, the Ngubanas and the other friends of them, they didn't come attend the meeting. And when we are going to the General Assembly, they didn't go. If they go, they go alone, not with us. This marks the breakup of the commune. The day that Ngubanis and their followers form their own group. Are they killing us? I don't know who is is the next. Maybe me. I'm the next. I don't know because I see this is a war. It's not a fight. It's a war. They want to kill us. All of us here in Canaan. Are people thinking of believing? Or is it, are people staying to fight? Or what is the attitude now in terms of, of that? Sometimes we are thinking of believing. We are about 30. And you were... More before? Before was 109, yeah. 109? Yes. So where did, what happened? These fights. Everyone left? Yes. Others, they are afraid to stay because it's a fight and they decided to went. Oh, yes. and now they don't live here? No. But it's fine now yeah. because if we started in this number, maybe there was no fight. We don't know what will happen if we are, we are 100 again. Welcome to The Last Afternoon in the Garden, a limited podcast series produced and presented by me, Paul McNally. This is the fourth and final episode of the series, where we are going to be telling the story of what has become three assassinations. Ayanda Nagila, Nakatulo Mbaso, and Linda Kule Mguni have all been horribly murdered. Three members of the Ngubani family are awaiting trial for two of our assassinations. 
And at the end of the last episode, the journalist Lawazi Halangu said he would try to connect me with this family. Now, despite Lawazi's best efforts, I could not get an interview with a member of the Ngobani family. But their advocate, Nkosi Kona Zulu, has agreed to talk. Who am I? I'm Advocate Zulu. We are at office number 436, Commercial City Building. It's the middle of October when I meet Zulu in his incredibly bare office. The Ungabani brothers handed themselves over to the police for the murder of Nakatula Mabaso on the 26th of July, 2022. One of them is 70, and they are both still behind bars awaiting trial. About 10 years ago, people identified a certain space, which is in the bush. He is talking about the Ekanana commune. People identified the place and they started paving spaces to build their shacks. That was illegal at the time, and they fought until the court gave an order to say that the sites were opened and people were allocated sites there. It becomes apparent that Zulu's version of the history of the commune is one where the Ungubani family were unfairly jostled out of a position of prominence. Later on, some leaders became dominant. Actually, the committee was overruled by certain members where I'll say they were stronger than the others. He says that the Ungubani children originally had sites in the commune, but they got substituted out. It's like those people who had been allocated sites were now being deprived of their sites and new people were brought in. Zabu Zakode, the president of Abakhali, denies that the Ungabanis were unfairly driven out. He says the family were not part of the original occupation, but were moved in by the ANC to take the land over. He does admit that they were initially friendly, but this changed when they weren't allowed to privatize the land. There is a case whereby one son of Ngubane was implicated in a murder case. I should mention here that Zulu started his relationship with the Ungabanis while doing a bail application for the son, Kair. He'd been arrested for the murder of Ayander. The witnesses are people who have been charged with murder in respect of other cases. This is a reference to the various murder charges that have been leveled against Abakhali members over the years. When the case took place, that young Gubane on the 8th of uh, March 2020, that young Gubane was also there. He witnessed, uh, it's like with other people, so he, Ngila has been killed there. He's lying there. Oh, that is Ngila, he is. Mm. He was one of the people who were there. But you're saying he's totally innocent. I wouldn't say he's innocent because it's a case. Because if I talk about it, you'll know even my sight. Sure. And I don't, I don't want to expose that one, that part. I understand. Yes. And he was among the people who were there just looking at what happened. Oh, Ngila has been killed. This is different from the story that Lawazi Halangu told me that the Ungabanis had told him that Kaya wasn't at the commune at all when Ayanda was killed. Zulu sticks to his story that the statements against his clients have been fabricated. They manufacture a case against a certain person. If a person is being killed, it will take some time until it's like a person will die in March. And in July, you find the first statement from the eyewitness who will say that I saw so and so doing this. This long gap in time between murder and statement, at least in this case, is completely untrue. Zulu says that all three Ungabanis are going to plead not guilty, but when he is done, he's going to sue the state for unlawful arrest 
at least for the brothers. Next, he moves on to Nokutula's death. Then we learned that another person, a lady, had been killed. And that lady is a witness in this case uh, for which I was doing bail application. And you know what? I've learned that, that Nokutula Mabaso did not even write a statement. Whereas the investigating officer said that, that Nokutula Mabaso is a major witness. She wrote a statement before she was killed. Did she or not? She did not. It's not clear if Zulu is lying or is mistaken here, but Ambali definitely has a signed affidavit from Nokutula. Nokutula was had been killed during the night. Zulu claims that the Ngobani brothers heard about Nokutula's death while they were sitting in court for Kaya Ngobani's bail application. Yes, they said, oh, Nokutula has been killed. Who is Nokutula? The other one was asking, who is Nokutula? Oh, you see that, that woman that would... Uh, it's like they were not too sure of one of them had seen that Nuktula Mabas, and the other didn't even know her. So it was sort of news to them. Because these people were also surprised as we were. Another witness, a major one, who um, uh, the, the investigating officer said that he was uh, fearing for his life, was Lindogu Lemgun, a person who was a, an accused in two murder cases, two different murder cases. And he was a fearing witness now. So he said that uh, uh, we should, I mean, uh, that Ngubani should not be granted bail because that uh, Mr. Mbuni fears for his life should Ngubani uh, be released on bail. So bail was refused on the basis that Lindo Guslem Mbuni feared for his life. This is obviously before he got killed. Yes. Yes. I seek out Mary DeHaas, an incredibly celebrated expert in the field of assassinations and political violence. When we speak over Zoom, she has recently injured her back. Oh, it's, it's just stupid. I mean, I, I, you know, I shouldn't be lifting all this heavy stuff. Is it because of the water shortage? You were carrying buckets of water because of the water shortage? You know, I do keep spare water. And I'd also carried a whole lot of stuff down to the car to drop off with a guy at Cleveland's. Large containers of water and things I threw into the boot because they had no water for a couple of weeks. Cleveland's is a hostel that is notorious for its assassinations. Mary does amazing, extensive work there, particularly with the families who are trapped amongst the violence. I ask her about her dealings with Abakhali. Look, I've had dealings on and off with them since the early days, and I have said to Spurzakhali, if you want me to follow up cases for you, I will. You know, they also have good networks with similar communities elsewhere in the country and overseas. So they have always kind of tried to act in the interests of shack dwellers, and they do get targeted. We then talk about how Abakhali has mythologized their assassinations. I mean, look, you can't blame them for making the most of it because it also gets them attention. I mean, they what? do get the media attention, which is a good thing. And go for it, I say, because most of people, black people, are dying all the time. It's mentioned in the media. But I mean, even those housing mafia people who kill people are in the pockets of politicians. So I suppose it all ends up. You know, well, unless it's just a personal thing, because that's also part of it. Like you may be a councillor and maybe your 
you know, it may be your wife's lover who's killed you, or you know, it may be a yeah. business associate. Yeah. So you you can never rule out the personal factor. Even when specific people all from the same family have been arrested, Abakhali continue to frame the violence as a threat to democracy. I ask Mary about the involvement of the ANC with these assassinations. You have to go back and see exactly who's got what economic interests there, you know, who's running the housing mafia. Basically, if members of the housing mafia want your place, they send people in to threaten you and tell you to move. Many people can't fight back. They simply move away and allow this housing mafia to build a bigger structure where their house was and then collect rent on that. So those who stand up to the housing mafia, like Abu Khali are doing, are targeted. You know, with an ASC councillor there, there has to be collusion with the housing mafia. So if they are thorn in the flesh of the housing mafia, or, you know, they, they're in a spot that the housing mafia would like or the councillor feels they should have control of, then Sansuris and the ANC would be involved. It all boils down to kind of getting your hands on the money, I'm afraid. This suddenly makes total sense. It isn't the ANC as such that Abu Khali are fighting, even though, like Mary says, there has to be collusion with local ward councillors for this to work. But really, Abu Khali are going up against what is essentially a mafia. And maybe the Ungabanis are involved in that. Maybe not. I take one last trip to the commune to visit Pomalele Makizi. Remember the court case we went to with Sneko concerning the burning down of two homes? Well, one of the homes was hers. I enter through a newly erected gate at the commune. There's no lock on it. Okay, so this is the gate now? Yes. So they've put up gates all around? No, two. The one and that one. Okay. But there's a fence all around. Yes. But you are not safe because the enemies are still coming into their thing. So it doesn't feel safe? No. There is cameras. Yeah, exactly. But the enemies doesn't afraid of that. They do what they want to do. So when I was here in April, people were too scared to come this far. So that's changed. Yeah, it's changed. Okay, good. Yeah. The members are now working in the garden every day. And as a result, the crops have recovered. If you remember, when I visited just after Ayanda's death, people were too scared to come out here. But like I'm reminded by pretty much everyone here, they're still scared. They're just getting by. We have that courage. I don't know where it's coming from, but we managed to come here and work. But you're scared while you do it. Yeah, we scared. We walk past the house where Nokatula Mbaso used to stay. You remember Mbaso? Yes. The women that uh, uh, they shot. Yeah, yeah. And who's staying there now? Her husband. Her husband. Yeah. The members of the commune, rightfully so, are very proud of their chicken coop. Chicken house. 
We head inside where the cooking has started for everyone at the commune. As you can see, Pili is cooking for everyone. Wow. Yeah. How many people are you cooking for today? 40, including children. Including children, yeah, 40 people. This is Tozama. She's wearing a t-shirt covered with the face of Ayanda Nagila, the young man who brought me here in the first place. You've got an Ayanda t-shirt on. (laughs) Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. What ah. do you feel wearing that kind of T-shirt? First one, I'm proud of Ayanda. It's a good leader. It's a good militant. I'm proud. And the same time, I'm heavy anger. Because Ayanda was fallen, but not achieve the goals he, he wants to achieve because of enemies. In October 2021, Pumalele was charged with assault. Can you tell me what happened for the assault? That's who I was arrested for. Mm. <laughs> that was a lie. Even though Pomalele had been assaulted, she was the one who got arrested, along with a host of other Abakhali members. Firstly, they arrest Tozama, the one who was there. The uh, one with the T-shirt? Yes, Tozama, Nogtula, the one that passed away, mm. and Sindiswa. They are granted bail after four days. And the bail conditions don't allow them to come back to the commune, so they have to go into a safe house. The, the case withdrawn. The case was withdrawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was like that. Then we came back to the commune, but they continued threatening us. And they also they also burned our houses. The day we 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 granted the bail, the following day they burned our houses, mapiways and mines. They burnt down. Everything was bent. We take a short walk over to where her house used to be. Mine was here. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So did you see your house on fire? I saw it in the pictures because I wasn't there. I was in the isolation. Like for protection? Yes. And then while you were away, they burnt your house down and we're standing where it was. And that is my new house. And this is your new house? Yeah. I don't use it for the moment. I'm staying there in my sister's. Okay, why don't you use it? I'm scared. You're scared? (laughs) Yeah, that they must come and do something while I'm alone here. I'm scared. You're scared to live alone? You'd rather live with your sister? Yeah, because the people that are passed away, they are so close to me. This is my sister's house where I'm staying. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What is your sister's name? Spear and Snow. This is Snow, the youngest Hello. one. And Hello. This is Spear. How are you? I'm fine with you. Good, thanks. Yeah. This is our little home. These homes are barely big enough for one person. To move in with your sister and leave your own home vacant because you're too scared to stay alone is a big deal. But I, I, can't, I can't stay there. <laughs> I can't. Bring me some memories, bad memories. She was staying in the new house with Ayanda during that period when he was killed. And it reminds her of him. We are staying there together. And now that one reminds you of Ayanda too much? Yes. Oh, my God.
On the 17th of November, 2022, I go to an Abakhali event in Johannesburg. It's called Socialism or Death. There are photos of the commune displayed up on the walls. People are vibrant and having a good time. Being here, though, makes me upset for Nokatula and how needless her death really was and how little help she got. When I visited Cebu, the head of Abakhali in Durban, he tried to show me photos on his phone of everyone smiling at the commune during a collaboration they had done with the NGO Right to Know. This was just days before I went to go see Nomfondo, Nokatula's daughter, and she told me how scared she was and that everyone was sleeping outside in shifts to watch out for intruders. Nomfondo isn't being forced to stay, but she is being told that it is a sign of strength. And she has other options in terms of where to live. They have a place in the rural areas. But like she said to me, she is staying because she believes in the teachings of her leaders. These are leaders who have numerous bodyguards and plenty of security that she doesn't have. Because it's hard not to be cynical about why you are trying to keep a commune going with practically no security with a gate with no lock on it, for example, despite the absurd level of threat that your members are facing. A few months go by, it's February, 2023, I text Mbali and she tells me Sneeko has since been in jail. He spent Christmas there, but he now thankfully has been granted bail. She also tells me that Untukozo Ngobani, the daughter of Samson Ngobani, has been arrested. She's been picked up for destroying the commune's shop that sold the surplus vegetables from the garden. That's a fourth member of the Ngobani family that's now been arrested. Mbali says, She's gearing up for her trial dates. The matter for Gila, that one has got a lot of progress. Kangobani is still in custody. I spoke to her again in June, and she gave me a series of updates via WhatsApp voice notes. The Ayanda case is now at trial. Kaya is still in custody, and the affidavits that Mbali collected are being scrutinized. Then on the 17th of July, 2023, Kaya is convicted. The magistrate finds that both Kaya and the witnesses that defended him lied under oath. He's sentenced to 15 years. Advocate Zulu, who we spoke to, bizarrely claims that there were no witnesses to implicate Kaya of the murder. And this was, of course, found not to be true. I phone Mbali, the lawyer, immediately to congratulate her you. on the conviction. I am, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm happy. It, it made all the hard work and all the efforts worth it. What was the reaction like in court when the conviction happened? I wasn't there because I knew it wasn't going to be nice. <laughs> and yesterday, we didn't have this, the officer that's dealing with um, Mr. Tula Mavasos, and he's a very good officer, of course. He's a very good detective. He was like, buddy, be careful. And I'm like, what's going on? And like, you know, after the conviction that she secured, 
uh, you know, I found my people on the ground and they are just, <laughs> they're not happy with me, basically. So they always knew that this attorney is, is the one, well, to them creating hassles. So, so wait, you didn't go because you thought that you would get uh, aggression from... You know, well, they weren't uh, something, you know, even when you have your colleagues, prosecutors and whatnot telling you, listen, be careful, because, you know, they're also concerned. Like I'm saying, people don't understand that I'm an attorney and I have been given a task and a mandate to do, do you understand? They see me being actively part of Abastan. And you kind of feel that you might have uh, made yourself a bit of a target by winning this conviction, essentially. Not even I feel like I do know that when I have people who are on the other end telling me to be careful and telling me that, you know, like Gus Gus is a detective that works in Catalonia. He's been there for ages. He's got people on the ground. You know, that's why he's able to tell me if my clients, you know, because we do converse and he tell me, Bali, I just want you to be careful ever since I'm a conviction against Kyle Gobani, you know. Okay, don't make yourself so visible. Yes, even when the judgment was handed down, I was I wasn't there because even I you know, even this other two years three because she me I said like, yo, what is your issue with Dengubanis? And I'm like, why would you think I've got an issue with Dengubanis? I have an issue with their behavior. Yes, that I might have, but I also I don't I wouldn't stand out and be like, no, I have a personal problem with Vendetta case, you know. But if justice has to be served, justice has to be served. And then lastly, on the on the other two cases on with Nokatula and Linda Kule, what, what what is happening with them? What's the next steps with them? The Tula, that's the only thing that's stopping a way forward is the is the post-mortem notes. Yeah. I the Linda Wuchle one, I I don't know. maybe I need to go to, back to the drawing board. I don't know. I really don't know with that one. Like it feels like a good thing and a bad thing. Feels like a good and a bad thing because obviously you'd never want to have, you know, justice being served over because you're never gonna get that person back and you know I've actually lost a lot, and he was just the first person, so that cemented this whole thing. So I, I, I'm just hoping that God will be enough strength to just finalize these other two ones, and then nothing else happens. That's that's the main thing. Nothing else happens. The Last Afternoon in the Garden is a four-part podcast series Produced by me, Paul McNally, for Develop Audio. We are an audio-focused organization based in South Africa that is producing podcasts like this and teaching a growing community of African journalists to produce podcasts and audio projects. Check out our work at developaudio.co.za. The music for this series is composed by John Bartman. You can check out his work at johnbartman, that's with two N's, .com. And this episode was mixed and mastered with additional editing by Danny Boyson. And also a huge thanks goes to the Henry Namalo Foundation for their financial support with this series. We could not have done it without them. And thanks to the Mail and Guardian for being the publishing partner for this series. You can find this series and other podcasts by them at mg.co.za. Goodbye.